we're going to talk tonight, we're going to look at a couple examples in the Bible about the importance of words in action. And we've said a lot about words over the last eight weeks. And I want to encourage you to go back and, and get those scriptures. Man, meditate on them, right? Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Your tongue will direct you into life or death. It will hand you life or death. You're going to be satisfied by the increase of your lips, right? Proverbs, or was it, is it Proverbs 6, 2, we're snared by the very words of our mouth. So we have to be careful. You know, I was thinking about in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, it's amazing. In verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Right? Don't ever, you know, you start to learn as you look at this, you don't ever want Satan to be able to use your tongue again. Right? It says, But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. So our words are to build up the person we're talking to and they're to not only build them up, but minister the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? So, so that means it should produce the very glory, the very presence of God. If you go down, it says in verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then it says this, forgiving one another. Hmm, that must mean that we might mess up from time to time, right? Well, I'm telling you, just give people unlimited, unlimited forgiveness. Have you, ever, have you ever done something stupid, right? Sometimes we do the most stupidest things. Isn't that grammatically wow, right? But, but really, I'm trying to drive a point home. The most stupidest, it's a new word. We hurt the people that we're closest to. And, and the number one way we do that is with our words, right? So it says this, it's just be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And why do we do this? Or how under the same context, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So that's new covenant forgiveness. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we've said a lot. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, that the word of God is what? It is a lamp to your feet. It is a light to your path. This is why in Philippians 2, it says work out your own salvation. Don't try to work out somebody else's, right? Don't be that Christian that's going all over the place, telling everybody else what they need to do. Right? Usually when that's happening, it's exposing in that person's life that there's a lot of inner turmoil and they're frustrated. Right? And they don't want to face maybe some things that's going on in their own lives. We as Christians, I'm telling you, we need to be up to here with us, don't we? Just, you know, making sure we're walking and yielding to the love of God. We're not yielding to our flesh that we're being led by the Spirit of God, that we always prefer one another. The Bible says how we love each other 
will be the determining factor on whether or not the world knows that we're a follower of Jesus. So we've said a lot about words, the importance of words. God deals with us. It says, he in, remembers number, remember numbers. It says, listen, whatever you say in my ears, I will allow in your life. Numbers 14, it's an oracle of God. It's an unchanging, never-ending rule, law of God. It goes on in Mark 11, it said, he says this, he says, you'll have what you say, right? In Jeremiah, it says, he deals well with his servants according to his word. So God deals with you and I according to his word and according to our word. So that's why we are talking about the importance of our words and we're really focusing on the Greek word confession, Remember Hebrews 10, 23, hold fast to the profession or the confession of your faith without wavering. And that word confession is the Greek word homo logeo. It means to say the same thing. What, well, as we looked at that, we see that we are to hold fast to the confession of our faith. Well, what is our faith? Faith begins where the will of God is known right? Well, the will of God is the word of God. So faith believes God's word in your heart and speaks it out of your mouth. Remember the Bible talks about that the tongue of the or the, the heart of the wise will teach its tongue and its mouth how to speak or we speak out of our spirit, not out of our flesh. So we've learned a lot of things and I would encourage you, go back, outline these things. Get them deep in your spirit. And we said this, meditating in the word of God is what will cause you to value the words that you speak. It will literally sift your speech to make sure that what you're saying is what you should be saying. And then it even says in James that if you bridle your tongue, remember we talked about this last week, I believe, you're able to bridle your whole body. It's amazing. It's amazing. So let's look at this. There's this story in the Bible. You know, we talk about healing. God's a healer. So tonight is going to be a healing service. We're going to talk about the healing power of God. It's hard to talk about the word without mentioning healing because healing was such a huge part of Jesus's ministry. But we have one story that literally contains two of the 19 individual cases of healing that are showcased in the Gospels in the ministry of Jesus. Right? Remember? So it's this story about this ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. Right? He has this 12-year-old daughter who is at the point of death. And although he's a ruler in the synagogue, which means the guys he hangs out with are the same religious leaders that have been given Jesus a hard time, have been, you know, and all this. So no doubt Jairus, I mean, his whole reputation was on the line. And he came face to face with the, with the situation. He had a 12-year-old daughter. No doubt this man probably spoke der derogatorily about Jesus. No, his best friends hated Jesus, the religious rulers of the day. The region of the Galilee is not that big, if you've ever been to Israel. 
I mean, it's not big at all. So these guys knew each other, right? And he was a ruler in a synagogue. He was in a place in that culture. A ruler in a synagogue had a lot of authority and a lot of power. He was looked at as the social elite. All this stuff. And all of a sudden, who knows what happened in his life. Can't wait to talk to him in heaven. Right? I believe he was born. I believe he ended up born again. Could you imagine not being born again after seeing what Jesus did for you like that? But all of a sudden, no matter what he was, his life got interrupted by his daughter. 12 years old, his only daughter. She was getting sick. Then she got real sick. And then she's at the point of death. And Jairus, no doubt, is looking at his little girl. And he's going, okay. I've been hearing about this Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. He no doubt heard about people that he would lay hands on and they would get healed. He no doubt heard about virtue and power went out of him and healed all their sick. He no doubt heard about when Jesus would go into a region, they would bring all the sick, demon-possessed, all the people with missing body parts, and he healed them all. And all of a sudden, this man, who his social, his very peer group was against, he had a decision to make. Because he came to a place where, I know this man is my help. But in order to embrace that, I'm going to have to, you know, come out of the closet, so to speak, about this whole thing. What is more important? Staying with my peers, maybe staying with my deep beliefs of all the law and all this stuff, staying with all this, or helping my daughter. You know, this story's a lot. It's just a lot like life. Because this world system will get you in that place where you're going to have to make a decision. What are you going to believe? Right? Are you going to believe all your fellow religious leaders? Are you going to believe what everybody else is saying? Are you going to believe the natural, well, you know, my daughter, she's at the point of death. We've already had the best doctors in the situation. There's nothing they can do. Are you going to buy that die? Are you going to buy that report? Or are you going to go, wait a minute. There is there is a God. There is a Messiah. There is a Jesus who's healing. So this is Jairus and then in the middle of this story we see how Jesus was he he was kind of detracted or he was going one way but then this woman with the issue of blood's faith It deviated him from his path. And we're going to see how important words were in both of those stories. Because remember, we said this, people have lost the reality of the connection between what they say and what they have. And there is a connection. Right? So let's look at this. This story is found in Matthew chapter 9. It's also found in Mark chapter 5, and it's found in Luke chapter 8. So so this story, it's interesting. 
It's about a father laying down everything for his 12-year-old little girl. It's amazing. Jairus is going to learn that his position in the religious community or even his religion could not do for his daughter what Jesus could do. The one that Jesus, the one that religious hated or religion hated, Jesus was the one who could help him. So he laid down his position and he laid down his reputation to embrace truth and got a miracle. In the same way, you gotta, you gotta not be concerned about your reputation if you're gonna walk with the Lord, right? Not everybody's gonna like you. Some people are gonna hate you. The ones that hate you aren't so bad because you're just like, whatever, you know? Did you, were, you, were you born a jerk or did you develop this over time, you know? But, it's, but here's the ones that are sarcastic and they make fun of you. Oh, you're one of those, you know, you're one of those Jesus freaks. Yes, I'm one of the biggest Jesus freaks you'll ever meet, right? You just got to lay down your reputation. You got to lay everything down and follow him. And, and I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. So Jairus, we're going to see, is willing to do whatever it took to obtain his daughter's healing. See, there's many people that are not willing to lay down their religion. There's many people that will die and go home prematurely because they don't lay down their religion of, well, you know, this, it's not always God's will to heal. You know, this is just, he's, he's allowed this in my life. This is my cross to bear. You know, they have this religious thought that's not a Bible thought. But you got to be willing to lay down your religion. Here's a big one, though. You also have to be willing to lay down your way of thinking. You know, so many people, they struggle because it's real interesting. I mean, when you read something from the master that says, you know, I know if you love me, if you do what I say. It's like, Wow, you know, you just, you just can't fake that. It's like, because you know. No, nobody else might know. But you know, right? It's really amazing, our way of thinking. Well, I just want to live my life. Time out. Time out. I, I thought Jesus was your Lord. Because if Jesus is your Lord, it's his life. Now I could tell you this. Dying to your own self will cause you to live life on a level that is amazing. But this halfway, I've got one foot in and one foot out, it just doesn't work. Now the good news is the Lord will stay with you decade after decade after decade and he'll help you. I'm living proof of that. Until you get all in. You know? Did, did, did any of you just start all in and never jump out of that? No. All of us are kind of, we do silly things. We buy lies of the enemy. Right? 
But man, I'll tell you, the Lord, he, he meets you right where you are and helps you in these areas. If you're not willing to lay down your religion, what you think the Bible says, what you think Christianity is, everybody's got an idea. It's hilarious being a pastor because it's so much like parenting. I was the perfect parent. And then, you know, I was an only child, never babysat. But I knew everything about parenting. I'd sit in restaurants and go, what's wrong with these people? Their child's freaking out. Just deal with it. Then you have children. And, And now when somebody, a child's freaking out in a restaurant, number one thought, even all these years later is, thank God it's not our child. Right? Number two is, wow, I feel sorry for them because, you know, we've been there, right? It's the same thing with pastoring. It is amazing the people who have never really pastored or done anything for God that way, and yet they know everything about pastoring. Single people who think they know everything about being married, right? It's hilarious. See, there's something... That's huge, and it's this. Some people would rather die than change. And this is why it is. The Bible says that in Colossians chapter 3, don't set your affections, your mind, on things above, or on things of the earth. You set, you set them only on things above, and not on the earth. And see, this is what happens. Satan will start working on a child when they're really little, throwing thoughts, creating scenarios, trying to get the parents upset so they're yelling and saying stupid things to their kids. I mean, all this stuff. He'll do this to try to build some detrimental thought processes in children and in future adults that when you're an adult, now you've got these thought processes going. And that's why we believe silly things, and that's why we're not willing to change. Because, you know, if you just believe something a certain way, this is why when you come to the Lord in Romans 12, 1, Paul's saying, listen, guys, I'm begging you by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. In other words, keep your body on that altar. Beat it black and blue. It's crazy. It has the sin nature in it. And then renew your mind with the word of God so that your life is transformed. In other words, you've got to, what happens in the renewing of the mind, you renovate your thinking to where you get rid of those old detrimental thought processes. And now you're thinking in line with the word of God. And so this is what we're talking about. Religion is a killer. Why? Because it's so defiant and it's unteachable. You either do it my way or else. That never works. No, no, this is all about God's way, right? People won't listen to God's word because they think they already know what it says, right? And see, it's not what you know in your head. It's it's what revelation of the word of God you're walking in, in your heart. It's really... It's not just knowing, like you've heard me say this numerous times, it's not just knowing the word of God, it's knowing the God of the word. It's walking with him intimately. It's the only way you know the word. But we gotta realize that rejecting God's word is rejecting him. 
So like in relation to this series, we have to seize hold and say what he says. Right? If he says all things are possible to him who believes, then all things are possible to you. If he says you're a world overcomer, then you're a world overcomer. You're not moved by what you see. Right? And we have to, we have to stand there. So Mark chapter 7, in verse 13, in the gospel it says this. It says, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. That traditions of men will make the word of God of none effect. This word effect, none effect, it literally means to render void. It literally will render the most powerful thing in the universe, the word of God. Remember we went through that scripture, Hebrews 4.12? God's word is full of life and power, but a tradition can literally render it void. What does that mean? It literally means to deprive it of force and authority. Isn't that amazing? All the authority in the name of Jesus is in his word, and a tradition can change that. Wow. Through your tradition. Now, this is the Greek word, because before you start thinking tradition, let's really look at what tradition means in the New Testament. It literally means reasonings. Your own reasonings, that's your own religion. See, we think only the denominational churches have this religion or the Catholics, but man, we're charismatic Christians. You know, sometimes we're Star Trek charismatic Christians. Boldly going where no one, including God, has ever gone before. (laughs) We're one word, one God told me away from just doing whatever our flesh wants to do. We step over people that are hurting because we got to get in to get the word of God to hear another nugget. And it just doesn't work like that. And that's why, that's why we don't walk in it. So, so this is not us. You know, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. Man, I'm telling you, God's doing a big work in all of us, isn't he? Yes. We're hungry, we're growing. I love that. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Let me just kind of read you through this story, and I'm just going to bring up some points because I want you to see, and I'm believing God that he'll place you in this story so that you can see, listen, you're living your life, and you're literally writing a continuation of the book of Acts. We talk about the book of Acts as being the acts of the early church. But in reality, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. And the acts of the Holy Spirit are still being written. Oh, they're not canon of Scripture, but they're written in heaven. Your story is being written in heaven. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, it says, While he spake these things unto them, so Jesus is talking, behold, there came a certain ruler... Whenever you see in the Bible, it says certain ruler. It it literally means that everybody in this crowd would know who this ruler is. Everybody would know. This was Jairus. Everybody knew he was the ruler of the synagogue. Right? A certain ruler. And And look at it. It says, and came, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him. Worshiped him. This Greek word 
and it brought out in other gospel accounts, it gives us a picture of one who was kneeling down to show respect to another one of superior rank. So here comes a powerful man with a lot of authority. And you know, he doesn't just come down and kneel. He falls before Jesus. I mean, that's humility. You're not going to ever get your speech right. You're not going to ever be able to just where God be in a position where God could get everything over to you that he needs to get over to you without humility. And this was what Jairus, it just was a picture of humility. He fell down before him. He, he was basically saying, Jesus, you are of a higher rank than me. I need your help. And then he says this, saying, my daughter is even now dead. Now in the Greek, it literally means, literally it would read, my daughter is at the point of death. But come, now check this out, but come and lay your hand upon her. And I really hope that she just might live. It's not what he said. This is faith. Jesus, come lay your hand on her and I know she will live. She shall live. That's so strong in the Greek. It's like, I know without a shadow of a doubt, if you come and lay hands on her, she will live. Well, how could he have faith? How does faith come? By hearing the word of God. Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. He would have known that when Messiah comes, he'll have healing in his wings. He would have heard that Jesus healed blind people which had never been done in the history of Israel. Never. Only the Messiah is going to heal the blind. And this guy's healing the blind. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus? Man, we know you're sent from God because no one can do what you're doing. Jairus would have known Isaiah 61. He would have known these things, and then in addition to that, he would have put what he knew about the word, because the Old Testament was giving a picture of the Messiah, and then all of a sudden, he's putting it together. Oh my gosh. This, this is him. That's why he was completely in faith. He was fully persuaded. You come lay your hands on my little girl, and she will live. Now, in Mark, Mark's account... I'm going to read, just for your notes, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 22 and 23. And I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. This is, this is Mark's account, so we're, we're pulling all these together to give you the story. It says, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. Now we know from the other accounts he was the main, the top ruler. Jairus by name, that's why in Matthew's account it said the certain ruler. Jairus by name, and when he saw him, or when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live, or she will live. 
Luke's account in Luke 8.42 says it this way. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. In other words, Jairus had a revelation here. How much more should we have it? Jesus is not the great I was. He is the great I am. He's your healer today, right now. Amen? Let that just, you know, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals you. What I love about this statement by Jairus is faith will always tell you ahead of time what is going to happen. Nobody, nobody has to tell me what's going to happen. I believe the report of the Lord. I already know. So if I'm believing God for something and I go to a doctor and he takes another MRI or does another test or he, or he takes some blood and he, and he says, okay, well, you know what, uh, Tony, uh, things have gone backwards a little bit and now the, it's getting worse. That doesn't move faith. Why? Because faith already knows ahead of time what the end result is. And I don't look at the things that I can see. I look at what I can't see, the Word of God. Because that, that diagnosis, that new test that says this condition's changing, well, of course it's changing because we could see it. But what never changes is by His stripes, I was healed. What never changes is Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. That never changes. So I'm not moved. I thank the doctor. I thank the staff. Hey, thank you so much. And then I walk out. Father, I believe your report. And I declare that from the tip of my head to the soles of my feet, I'm healed. And your healing power is working in me. It's affecting a cure. It's driving out all sickness and disease. Satan, you're bound. I already told you to take your hands off my body. You're bound. You're defeated. I will not die. I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Faith always knows ahead of time what will happen. Isn't that good news? Isn't it amazing that we could live in this world right now? We already know. 2021, I'm increasing. Our church is increasing. Amen? We're going to reach more people. We're going to do more things for God. We are individually growing. Our light's getting brighter. Isn't that amazing? Our marriages are getting better. Our children are growing up learning truth. The ones that are out there not serving God right now, God's working behind the scenes, orchestrating their road back. In other words, if you say, you've heard me say this quite a few times, if you say what God said, he will do what you say. But if you don't, if you say what you want to say, he's not going to do what you say. Because he's God. And it's not, it just doesn't work that way. If you ever wonder about that, just ask Satan. Because Satan said... I'm going to be like God, right? In the, in the Hebrew language, it means I'm going to be compared to him. But if you look at the whole dialogue, it wasn't about being like him. I'm going to put my throne above his. In other words, I'm going to be better than him. But then it says, and then God spoke. 
Ouch, right? So confession means we say the same thing. Why? That gives God a legal right to perform his word in your life. It's all legal. If you have sickness or disease in your body tonight, it's there illegally. It is trespassing. You might as well get it right. Father, I thank you that my body, which is your body, which belongs to you, Father, is healed. I'm a steward over your body, so I am not going to allow sickness in it. That's Bible. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 19. It says, after Jesus heard what he said, and Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. So now Mark chapter 5, Mark's account in verse 24 gives us a picture. So Jesus, after Jairus comes up to him, now there's multitudes around him. So, but Jairus, because of his position, I mean, when he's walking, they're probably parting, right? So, so now though, when Jesus gets up to leave and now they're going to walk, Mark's account says this, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. What that means is they're just, they're all, they're all fighting to touch him. He's in a crowd. And I mean, they're trying to get to him. And they're probably grabbing on his, you know, they're trying to grab him and everything. They're thronging him. So this is a crowd. I mean, these are people, they're not going to be nice. They're trying to get what they want from the Lord. And you're not getting in their way. Now keep that in mind. Because there's a little older lady whose blood has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And if you've ever went and given blood, you know after that you just are kind of weak for a little while. Could you imagine if you're, and that's just like a pint or whatever they take, right? This is, this is blood hemorrhaging. This is a lady that probably was just like laying in bed all the time. Barely could get up to cook a meal or get some food or whatever. And now she is fighting through this crowd because she's saying, she's like, man, I have heard of him. I've heard that people would touch him and they'd be healed. I heard that virtue and power would go out of him and heal sick. I mean, I heard of this one person whose arm grew back and I heard of this one guy I heard about this guy that walked up to Jesus and said, listen, I know you can heal me, but will you put his life on the line because he could have been stoned? I bet she heard of him. Because for her to go out in public, if you have an issue of blood, Jairus, the leader in the synagogue, would have proclaimed her unclean, which means that if she went in public, she could be stoned right where she was. But she heard of this leper that could have been stoned, but went up there and, it's a, and Jesus reached out and grabbed him by the arm and touched him. You don't touch leprosy. And he said, oh, sir, of course I will. I always will heal. And because of that, 
This older lady, man, she is fighting through this crowd that's thronging Jesus because she's saying over and over, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. She's quoting the Old Testament. When Messiah comes, he will have healing in his wings. She wasn't trying to touch the hem of his garment. She was trying to touch the tassel on his prayer shawl. When a rabbi would not be praying, they'd pull their, their, their prayer shawl. I gotta bring mine out one day. I have one from Israel. And you, you pull it out, and from the back, it looks like wings. It says when Messiah would come, he'd have healing in his wings. She's like, if I could just touch one of the wings, not only healed, I'll be made whole. You know what that means? See, she wasn't just going to get her body healed. The Bible said she spent everything that she had but she was nothing better, but rather she grew worse. Have you ever met somebody or have you ever been in a situation that you're going from doctor to doctor and specialist to specialist? You're, you're studying other cultures. You know, is there a treatment in another country that will help me? That was this lady. But she was fully persuaded. If I could get to him. So this is the story. This is pretty intense. Jesus went with Jairus. Why? Well, the word tells us he only did what he saw his father do. So the Spirit of God stirred him to go. Why? Because what moves God is faith. I mean, you see that in the ministry of Jesus. Syrophoenician woman comes to him. Not a Jew, has no covenant with God. She's, she lives in a very demonic culture. Because of the way she lives, her daughter was now demon-possessed. And she goes to Jesus manipulatively. Son of David, she hears this term. She didn't even know what that meant. You know, please, can you help me, my daughter? And he looked down at her and he said, woman, I'm, I'm not called to you. Right? I... I this, is, this bread is for the children. That means they're for the, this is for the, the Israelis, the Jews. It's not for you. He called her a dog. But to the Jewish person in that culture, everybody else was a dog. And they were the chosen generation. And then this woman, look at this picture of humility. Jesus just called her a dog. Could you imagine what... Man, in... We, we, we are so carnal that if a pastor said that to somebody, oh my gosh, that probably, I mean, people be running out of the church. That guy's a jerk. Jesus called her a dog. And her response was, well, don't the dogs eat the crumbs from the table? Jesus, listen. Why did he call her a dog? Why did he say it that way? He was trying to get her out of the manipulation. He was meeting her right where she was. She had a decision to make. Am I going to get mad? Or do I, am I going to get my daughter healed? You and I have that same decision all the time. Am I going to believe the word of God? Or, I'm gonna believe, or am I going to believe my emotions? My feelings? Am I going to believe what everybody else in the world who knows me is saying about me? Or am I going to believe what he says about me? Does that make sense? 
So this is, this is right where we're at. God moves where faith invites him. God always moves where faith invites him. And if you'll notice, Jesus, he's ministering. This guy has a 12-year-old daughter who's at the point of death. But Jesus is not, he couldn't, he didn't carry that care. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, it said that mercy, he would have compassion on the crowds. And he'd be moved with compassion and heal all their sick. But he never, he never let what was going on outside move him. He always just moved from within. In other words, Jesus never carried the cares of the people he ministered to. We've got a whole room of people who love God and who are on fire for God. You're going to minister to people. Don't carry their cares or you will not be able to see clear how to minister to them. Because he knows, the Holy Spirit knows, we don't. You might think you know. But remember, we want our words to do what? Minister grace to the hearer. Right? The Lord told me this years ago as a pastor, he said, you cannot allow the chaos in other people's lives to become chaos in your life. If I allow that, then I can't help them. And I'm going to hurt. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be able to fulfill the plan of God for my life. I'm not going to be able to be the husband or the father or the grandfather, right? So these things are really important. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, we which have believed do enter into rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, if you jump down to verse 9, it says, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And then it says this, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And that word unbelief literally means rebellious disobedience. We're talking about this, the importance of our words. Our life as a Christian, it is to be a rest. That's why we don't try to work out anybody else's salvation. Because there's no anointing to do that. There's no grace to do that. It creates division. It creates inner turmoil in the person who's trying to do that. Right? We, we, we literally, the highest expression of faith is rest. I have ceased from my own works. My trust is completely in God. And now I only do what he wants me to do. I don't play the game if I'm sick. Well, if I'm in faith, do I take medicine or do I not take medicine? I don't spend three seconds with that. I keep my eye on Jesus. And I just follow my heart. You know, faith doesn't come from not taking medicine. Faith doesn't come from not going to a doctor. Right? Faith comes from hearing the word. And the word leads us. So you take the medicine in faith. Right? Every time you take it, Father, I thank you, I'm healed. This medicine will not hurt me, but it will do what it needs to help me. 
However, I put none of my trust in the medicine because all of my trust is in you. And all of a sudden, one day, you're going to have a doctor tell you, hey, you know what? You don't need to take that anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's awesome. Right? But see, you already knew that way ahead of time. He might have you say every time you take a a pill, well, I sure won't have to take this very much longer. Right? Rest is the abiding place of those who believe. Rest is the abiding place for those that speak right. Faith's position is rest. You can't, you're not able to receive from him unless you're at rest. See, you'll be able to tell if you're in faith or if you're not in faith. Are you struggling and stressing? You're not in faith. Or are you resting? Now you are in faith. In other words, faith is completely void of trying. Boy, that just does, it just goes opposite. Pastor, I'm in the most intense situation in my life, and I'm at rest. Right? I love a statement that Kenneth Copeland, I heard him say this years ago, I use this all the time. Satan, you don't know how much I don't care. Right? Don't care. Refute, actually refuse to care. Won't do it. No, no. I roll all of those cares over on my master. Right? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. In the Amplified Classic, I love the way it brings out the Greek. It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. See, resting, resting in God means you are trusting in and leaning on the word of God. That's what it means. I love Psalm 46.10. In the King James Version, at the beginning of this verse, it says this, Be still and know that I'm God. For all those Baptists out there, you know, I grew up Baptist, right? After we got out of the Catholic Church. I grew up Baptist, so I, I, like, I love the New American Standard because it really brings out Greek many times. New American Standard uh, Bible says this, Cease striving and know that I am God. The CEV version says, our God says, calm down and learn that I am God. I love that. God's word, that, that, they call it a translation, it's a paraphrase. God's word paraphrase says it this way. Let go of your concerns and then, this really brings out the Greek, and then you will know I'm God. The other end of that is if you carry your concerns, you're, gonna, you're not going to know he's God. You may not know how God is going to bring it to pass. You don't have to know how, but you just rest. So now let's go back to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. It says, and behold, so, so right in the middle of all this, Jairus gets to Jesus. Jesus, if you come to my house, 
man, and lay your hands on my daughter, she will live. And Jesus gets up and he's moving. And Jairus is like, yes. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, he starts walking to Jairus' house with him. And all of a sudden he's like, he stops and he turns around. And he starts asking, who touched me? Right? This is what's happening. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, that means her blood was hemorrhaging, 12 years came behind him, touched the hem of his garment. For this lady is fighting through this crowd, touches the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. I love Mark's account. Mark's account of this says it this way, Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she has, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she had to hear he was healing people, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said... Notice she was continually watering the word with what she said. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Here's a big thing. When she heard something, she said something. Right? Remember, the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. Remember, a preacher is sent, they preach, we hear, and then we believe, and what happens next? We call, and we get the result. When she heard of Jesus, she started saying something. In other words, what was she saying? She said what she heard. This is so important. The importance of your words, you have to say what you hear God say, right? If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Isn't that amazing? What you realize here is you realize the statement that Jesus made to Brother Hagen when he was 16 years old on a bed of sickness. He said, he said, Kenneth, if her faith made her whole, then your faith can make you whole. Verse 22, but Jesus, or Matthew 9, 22, we're back in Matthew again. But Jesus turned him about When he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Whole, that means her body was healed. All the money came back. She prospered more than she ever had. Everything that was stolen had to come back to her. Mark's account. Mark chapter 5, verse 29. It says, And straightway, that means at once, The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice she didn't feel something until she said something. She couldn't say something until she heard something. But she couldn't feel something until she said something too. See the importance of your words? What are you saying about your situation? Are you telling your blood pressure It must. I command you in Jesus' name to come into the normal range because I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Are you telling your blood sugar? 
I command you to come in the normal range. Right? Are you speaking to joints? Are you speaking to your back, your knees, your elbows, your hips? Are you speaking to your organs? Liver, you will work right. If they tell you you have a fatty liver, liver, you have to get rid of all that fat. Right? Metabolism, you got to burn all this fat off me. Help me love Brussels sprouts, right? (laughs) She didn't feel something until she said something. Here's a great mathematical equation. No saying plus no acting equals no feeling. But, but no, 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 pastor, that's backwards. If I could just feel, then I will start saying and acting. No, no. No speaking, no acting, no feeling. You must get the power of God flowing to feel it. When you say what you believe, you give God's power a target. And we know God's God's power hits the bullseye. Jesus curses a fig tree and it dries up from the root. The power of God will go. You don't see you don't have to know the target. You just speak what he says and he'll go into that part of your pancreas. He'll go into that part of your kidney. He'll go into that part of your cell and drive cancer out. This is huge. When you say what you believe, you give God's power a target. The healing power of God landed where this, word, this woman's words sent it. Did you notice that? Hallelujah. Her words of faith. So make sure you are touching what has power to deliver you. You got to make sure you're touching what has power to deliver you. Don't be touching fear, doubt, unbelief, because it has no power to make you free. It has power to bind you and steal, kill, and destroy. This is huge. That was for somebody. And Jesus, immediately knowing, verse 30, in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now think about this story. God is a God, we learn in Hebrews or in James, there's no variableness in him. That means if he's done it for Chuck, he'll do it for me. He'll do it for anybody. Right? Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Guess what? He's here tonight. He's the same tonight. And he's the same forever. He never changes. I love that. Wow. He turned around in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you're saying, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came, fell down before him. Now, could you imagine Jairus? 
Jesus is on his way. His daughter's about to die. He knows if Jesus can get there and lay hands on her, she'll be whole. He doesn't know how much time she has left. All of a sudden, right on his way, he's, I mean, good, everything is flowing. He's believing God and everything is perfect. It's flowing just perfectly. You hear the message, you believe God, and it's just, it's like, it's like every word of faith person thinks the whole thing is. It's just bliss. Oh man, I just learned God wants me blessed. I don't, I don't have to do anything. I, I just live my, everything's wonderful. Look at Jesus is floating. I'm floating with him to my house. My daughter's going to be living, man. We're going to be, we're going to be playing this afternoon. And then all of a sudden Jesus stops. Have you ever had that happen? You get the report and it's like, wait, time out. It just got worse. But I was believing God. And then not only does he, then, then he turns around and he's saying, who touched me? And Jairus is going, there's all these people. It's going to take him forever. I know these people. They lie all the time. They're not going to tell the truth. And then as if that's not bad enough, oh my goodness, Gertrude. All of a sudden, Gertrude, man, she's been in my synagogue forever. She comes up and talks to me, right? Until she got this hemorrhage of blood. Man, she used to come before she had this problem 12 years ago. Man, I, after, after the meeting, I'd be ready to go eat. And she'd want to talk to me for an hour and a half and tell me everything. There she is. Oh my gosh, I think that's the one. We are going to be here all afternoon. He's not even thinking about stoning her. He's just going, oh my God. I mean, do you see this? Are you getting this picture? Because this is real. We see it in church. Am I ever going to get healed? Am I ever, is this ever going to get better? Through faith and patience, we receive the promise. It might seem like you're standing there and you're like, listen, this is dire. This is, if, if you don't get there, this is over And I just feel like God is nowhere. Have you ever been that way? But God says, no, 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 no. No, I'm right with you. But you're choosing not to believe that. Why? Because the way you feel. Well, I just don't feel him. Well, if you'll start believing, speaking, and acting, you'll start feeling. Right? So now... She comes down, she falls down before him, and J. Iris is freaking out. And she's kind of freaking out because she's like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, if they don't believe I'm cleansed, because it's, it's, it's an issue of blood, I can't prove that, I, that it's dried up. And they could, go, they could go rock me to sleep right now. They could drag me out of this crowd. There's rocks everywhere and just stone me and I'm done. But then it says this little statement, and told him all the truth. So now Jairus is standing there and she's telling him everything about 12 years. And Jesus is not in a hurry. Have you ever felt like you're just like, okay, Lord, I need to know this today. You know I do, right? I mean, I'm not God, but this is a deadline. And he's like, yeah, hey, come over here, Tony. How you doing? You know, let me talk to you about 
this area of your life and that. Yeah, yeah, that, no, 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 no. No, this area is the one. That's, that's what's going on with Jairus right now. It's, it's the same thing that goes on with us, right? Jesus is just hanging there. Yeah, tell me more. So what happened again? Wow. And all these multitudes are around thronging him, and he's just like, yeah, hold on. I'm just, I'm just ministering to her. He's not moved. Why? Because his father already told him, go to the house, lay hands on her, and she'll, she'll live. That's what his father, Jairus said, if you come to my house and lay hands on my daughter, she'll live. God the father said, go to his house, lay hands on her, and she'll live. So he already, he's not stressed. Yeah, but she could die. That, so? How does that change the word of God? In other words, do you see the extreme here? But this is like real. This is, this is in all of our lives. And after she got done talking to all, telling her all the truth, telling him all the truth, he said in her, daughter, your faith made you whole. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit saw fit to give us a picture and, and, and give us a picture that it was the determining factor was her faith. In other words, the woman's faith activated God's power. And he said, go, go in peace, behold of your plague. The Holy Spirit emphasized her faith. He didn't emphasize God's power. This woman fought her condition by seeking natural help from every means. And Jesus didn't condemn her for that. When she heard of Jesus, she tapped into the supernatural avenue and drew upon his healing power. Many people, see this happens to people, you get so accustomed with your sickness or disease that you just give up. Many will allow sickness to remain because you know what, I could take a pill and I could kind of manage this thing. No, no. Don't give the devil an inch. Take the medicine, but stand against it and get it out of your life. So let's keep going with this. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm going. <sighs> you got to saturate yourself in God's word with what God's word says in whatever you're standing against. The more you give yourself to hearing God's word on healing or whatever, the stronger the healing power will flow through your body. The stronger the word of God will work in your situation. The more you give yourself in relation to healing. Remember Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed them. Delivered them from all their destructions. So you must saturate yourself in God's word in relation to healing. We're talking about healing tonight. Faith comes by present tense hearing. Doing this will cause the he God's healing word to become more real to you than your physical symptoms. That's why you can rest. You don't talk about your symptoms or your sickness to people. Why? Because they can't help you. Right? Well, no, I just need to get this. No, no, no. You're supposed to cast the whole of that care on the Lord. Right? 
Listen, I, I don't need to go talk to Cheryl about what I'm going through, about, about, hey, Cheryl, I got this going on in my body. She's going to be like, well, you know, wow, I hope you feel better and all this stuff. No, I can go to Cheryl and go, hey, Cheryl, man, tell me how healed I am. Right? And then she'll be, Cheryl will jump all over that. Man, I, scripture, just bam, 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 bam. It'll help you. But don't, don't go around talking to people about how sick you are and your disease and your condition because first of all, you're saying things contrary. God's word says you're healed and they can't help you. Now, we say this under this context, right? If you know, man, I'm not in faith and I need help getting there, then, then get some strong believers and go get help and say, listen, I'm struggling here. I need you to build me up in the word right now. Right? And you got to press through. This is another thing. You got to press through. Sickness and poverty were against the woman with the issue of blood. The crowd blocked her from Jesus. The press of knowing that she could be stoned was against her because of Jewish law. See, what is your press? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it unbelief? Is it, what, what is your press? Because we all have them. Allow the press to press you into Jesus, not away from Jesus. Right? All right, Luke chapter 8, verse 49. I'm going to read Luke's account. We're almost done. Hang with me. I've got to finish this right. While he yet spake, there came one of the ruler of the synagogue's house. So right in the middle of this, he's finally done. Jairus is like, okay, let's go. And as soon as they start moving towards his house, one, there came one from his house. One of his friends came and said to him, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. It's over, Jairus. So his worst nightmare happened to him. But when Jesus heard it, now, now hang with me. I know it's 829, but we got to finish this. So he gets, the, what, he gets the death blow. His greatest fear is now pressing him. It's over. Look at this. When Jesus heard that guy from Jairus' house tell him that, it says here, when Jesus heard it, he answered him. Notice it says he answered him. So when Jesus heard his friend talk to Jairus, Jesus answered Jairus. Well, time out. Jairus didn't say anything. Did you notice that? But he actually did within himself. Because when he heard that, it ministered fear and death to him. And, and Satan's there throwing a thought. It's over. So Jesus answered what Jairus was thinking. He, he needed to change the course of Jairus' mind. Otherwise, if he grabbed onto that thought, he would start speaking it and then it's over. Because words connect you to what you have or what you don't have. This is so serious, guys. 
When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. He's like, he's like Jairus, don't you get in the fear, you just keep believing what you said to me, and I'm telling you, your, your daughter will be made whole. I'm telling you, in your darkest hour, Jesus will be right there going, don't you fear. You keep standing on my word. I will make sure it's good. That's, I mean, he, this, see, we live a supernatural life, guys. Mark's account in Mark 5.35, it says, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Don't be afraid, only believe. Tonight, I would tell you, don't ever be afraid, only believe. I'm telling you, tonight Satan will come to you when you're tired, when it's dark, when you're in your bed, and he will tell you what you've been believing for is never going to happen. And right there, you're going to hear these words come out of your spirit. Don't fear, only believe. This is so big. Mark chapter 5, verse 36 in the Amplified Classic. I love the way it says it. Overhearing, it, this is, I love this because it brings out the Greek. Overhearing but ignoring what they said. Jesus, see, Jesus overheard what the guy said, but he was ignoring it. Overhearing but ignoring what he said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep on believing. Boy, can we take that one? What was Jesus doing? He was steering Jairus through the pitfalls of doubt so that he could hold him on course. Hallelujah. What does 2 Corinthians 2.14 say? You should know that. We did a whole series on that. But thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Don't ever let fear change your words so that you start saying what Satan says. You may feel terrified in your flesh. You may feel terrified and, and just twisted in your emotions. However, that does not mean that you have yielded to fear. You know when you've yielded to fear when you speak it. Don't worry about your emotions. Don't worry about your feelings. You tell them what to do. Faith is what brought Jesus on the journey, and faith must continue if Jesus is to continue on the journey. In other words, don't ever allow doubt to end what faith started. So Luke chapter 8, Luke's account, when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in but save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. In other words, the bigger the battle, the more selective you should be about those that you allow around you. Verse 52 
And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she's not dead, she sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead, and he put all of them out, and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. In other words, Jesus, as he ministered, learn this for your life, learn this for your life in receiving, learn this for your life in ministering. When you go to a hospital, you talk to the nurses, listen, I only need 10 minutes of uninterrupted time to be with this person. I remember when I ministered to a guy who was dying of cancer, the guy in, in Mount Pleasant, I had to go to Iowa City. I was a discipleship pastor. And, and when I was leaving, this lady chaplain of that floor in the hospital came to me and said, oh, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to go see him later. And I had to pull her off to the side and go, ma'am, you seem so sweet, but I need to, I need to get your commitment on something. Because see, this was a big battle. He was dying. He was almost at the point of death. And I said, I need you to give me your word that you will not talk to him. Because I knew what her background was. And she was very strong in the fact that God is sovereign and he heals some and doesn't heal others. And that kind of death would kill this guy. And she was mad at me. But what was I doing? I was removing obstacles. That's what Jesus was doing. He's removing all this nonsense because this girl is dead and she needs to be raised to life. So he needs Jairus and the mother to be in faith. Jesus ministered. He ministered perfectly. He spoke to the dead body. It says in Luke 8, 55, and her spirit came again. She arose straightway and he commanded to give her meat. See, the young girl was healed of whatever killed her. And she was raised from the dead. Because in the midst of a woman with the issue of blood and this and a bad report and all the things, it's over in the midst of all of it. He literally, did you notice in that story, Jairus never said anything else. He's like, don't fear only believe. Your words bring life to you or your words will keep life from you. Amen?